Well, guys, we made it. We got to the end. We are not stuck in the uh, sitcom bubble anymore. WandaVision has reached its final episode, episode 9. I forget what the name of the episode is, but that doesn't matter. Um, well, Graffy's Roundup. <laughs> the show where I, your host, Raffi, talk about basically whatever I want to talk about. And uh, this week it's WandaVision. And uh, that's it shouldn't be a surprise, because we've been covering this show for about nine weeks. Um, <laughs> I promise I'm not, not going to do this again. <laughs> um, because WandaVision is, is over. We got to the final episode. Um, to clarify, this is a just sort of me talking about the last episode. I won't be giving sort of like an overall thought on the whole series, but I am planning to do a separate podcast, um, a Raffi Reviews of WandaVision as a whole, just to kind of sum up my feelings about the show. Um, and, you know, I, I guess before getting into things, I have clarified before, but following this Raffi's Roundup, I'm going to go back to the old format. Um, I'm going to try to talk about comic book news, comic book characters I really like, um, maybe do some quick, like, movie pitches. Um, it's just with WandaVision, obviously, it's a show that does really well when you talk about it week to week. Um, I might talk about, uh, what is it, Falcon and Winter Soldier week to week, but I, not to the point where it's the whole episode. I'll probably just talk about it for 20 to 30 minutes. <laughs> um, but the other thing I wanted to mention is that, you know, I'll be doing this, I'll be doing a Raffi review about WandaVision, and, you know, I've been really back and forth on how I feel about, I guess, this era <laughs> of Raffi's Roundup. You know, the, the I started this series in particular because it's the easiest to make. It's literally just me talking about whatever I want to talk about week to week. I don't have to schedule anything. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm really sort of ambivalent towards it because while I do enjoy talking about WandaVision in sort of covering it, it's it's a really big deal. And obviously, every week there's something new and different to talk about with the show. I feel like, so early on doing this, this series in particular, it kind of like, I don't know. Like, I feel like going back and maybe marking each of these with like, an, indica an indication that I'm talking about WandaVision. I mean, I, I make it pretty clear in the titles of these podcasts. But, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it. Um, because it's like, ultimately, once I put out the review of WandaVision, the entire show, you know, are these podcasts, um, like, disposable after that? You know, I like to think, whenever I make a podcast, I try to make it evergreen so you can listen to it at any point. Um, then again, I did, uh, what is it, the weekly flip for, like, three years or something. And that is a show that's not evergreen. You know, news changes all the time. So, I don't know. I think the fun of looking back at episodes, at least in a, in a review podcast sort of format, is having theories and then watching them kind of crumble and fall. I don't know. I just hate the idea that, you know, the last couple of podcasts that I've uploaded are sort of stuck in a time bubble of like, oh, well, he was talking about this before episode four came out or before episode six came out. Um, I don't know. That's, I mean, that's not really up to me, I guess, at the end of the day. I'm, I enjoy talking about the show and, you know, if me talking about it is also entertaining for people listening, then I guess it works out in the end. Otherwise, you know, I, I don't control what you listen to. <laughs> um, but yeah, episode nine, a show where uh, Wanda does control what people listen to because they're listening to her grief. Um, so in the last episode, we got sort of, uh, you know, Avenger Origins, Wanda Maximoff. Episode 9 is, is the conclusion. And just right off the bat, let me just say this. Right off the bat, I'm really happy that nobody was right in the speculation for this show. Um, we'll obviously talk about it as we go through this episode, but I'm just happy this episode doesn't, like, 
there are some parts of it that I feel like could have been better, but at the same time, I appreciate that as a show, WandaVision doesn't overstep its boundaries. It, it knows what it's supposed to be about, and it leaves just enough to affect the wider MCU without it feeling like it overshadows the characters in the show, if, if I can say that. Um, so when the episode opens, we, we kind of take off right where we left off in episode 8. Um, Agatha has the kids on leashes, basically. Um, you know, she's telling Wanda, like, oh, you're the Scarlet Witch, you're not supposed to exist, you have all this chaos magic, you're, you're dangerous, that kind of thing. Um, so they start fighting. I think Wanda, yeah, Wanda tells the kids to, like, go to their room, which, of course, is the safest place in this world. Um, but they just have this fight scene, and, and this is something that I guess I'll talk about more, because they fight throughout the episode. I've heard a lot of complaints that, like, for two witch characters that have magic, the fight between Wanda and Agatha throughout the episode is kind of underwhelming. Um, I, I don't disagree with that, but I feel like it makes sense, at least in Wanda's case. Um, Agatha is this, what, 100-year-old witch? You know, she knows about magic... She has the dark hold. She's obviously a, pow a powerful character with a lot of dark magic and stuff. And stuff. And like outside of doing like those, um, I guess, magic leashes on the kids, um, and maybe I don't know. You never see her create runes, but like aside from her knowledge and those magic leashes, you don't see Agatha do a lot that Wanda hasn't done already. With Wanda, though, we, we kind of see her do the stuff that we've seen her do in the universe throughout the episode. There's really only, like, one new trick. I guess two new tricks that Wanda uses in this episode. Um, I guess we'll talk about that more as we go. But Agatha's deal is that whatever magic Wanda throws at her, Agatha can absorb it. Um, and so, creatively, Wanda gets around this by not hitting her with magic... But by hitting her with a car. Um, <laughs> which seems to be, again, like... It, I like this. I'm not saying I don't like it, but I think it's great because... It, it doesn't... It feels like a move, you know? Because <laughs> we've seen her do it before in, um, in Civil War. I think... Who is she fighting in that scene? I think it's Iron Man. She's throwing cars at Iron Man. And, uh... In this scene, the car she throws, it might be hers, because it's her, like, Scarlet car. Um, her Scarlet Mobile, which, um, I don't know. Black Widow taught her how to drive? <laughs> Actually, knowing, knowing that he has kids and everything, it might have been Clint. Um, it might have been Clint. Um, but Wanda throws a car at Agatha, which is just terrific. Um, and again, it's very creative. It kind of reminded me of, in really old Green, Green Lantern comics, their rings couldn't affect anything that was yellow. Um, that's kind of worth its own its own segment on another podcast. But uh, to get around that, the Green Lantern would like throw dirt on the opponent to cover up the yellow, or just like throw other objects at them without having to hit them with their ring um, primarily. So, just a creative way for her to get around that problem make a nice reference to Civil War, and again, like, the fact that she's done it twice is, like, if she were in a video game, this would be one of Wanda's, like, special moves. It would be, like, a super attack. She would summon a bunch of cars and then pile them on top of the opponent. Um, just like if Green Goblin was in, um, a fighting game, he would, like, pick up the opponent and then throw them off a bridge or something. <laughs> so, throws the car, crushes Agatha, Wanda, like, goes to, you know, see if she's dead or whatever, and uh, as a nice Wizard of Oz reference, you see Agatha's shoes, but, like, she's gone. So, that's nice. I mean, Wizard of Oz wasn't a, a sitcom, but, I mean, <laughs> I'm, ju I'm just, I'm, I'm being an asshole. I know it's, I'm just making a joke. Um, so, we get that witch versus witch action, which is followed by the appearance of White Vision, and, uh, you know, he, he puts a hand on, on Wanda, and, and, like, the whole time, I'm, 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 I'm kind of confused, I'm like, okay, is he gonna, like, 
try to like lure her into a false sense of security. I guess that's kind of what he does. But the white vision uh, puts a hand on Wanda's face, and then another hand, and then starts squeezing her head like a grape. <laughs> Which is like, I don't know if it was intentional, but it, re it reminded me of, um, I feel like that's what Thanos did to Vision. Like he kind of gripped Vision's head while he was pulling the stone out. Um, but yeah, head crushing. It's pretty rough. I feel like Thanos did that to a couple people in uh, in Infinity War. Um, the Vision's trying to crush Scarlet Witch's head, and she, her head is too durable. She's too thick-headed, which, you know, is also true of her personality. Um, and then the actual Vision shows up. It, uh, I stress to say the actual Vision, but I also stress to say the colored Vision, because that just sounds kind of inappropriate. Um... Red Vision, because I don't care what lighting he's in, the Vision's skin, in quotations, the Vision's skin color is red, and that doesn't mean I think any less of him, I just don't like when people say he's purple. I think Thor calls him purple in one of the, in one of the, like, bonus outtakes from a movie, um, the Vision's red, and the only reason I, I really stress that is because in Tom King's book, The Vision, uh, The Vision's kids are, like, throwing a football around, and it's a school football, and on the side of the football is, like, the school's mascot, which is, like, a really outdated, inappropriate, like, Native American chief whose skin is red, um, and, like, <laughs> Vision is, like, rightfully but uncharacteristically, like, offended by this high school mascot, so, in my mind, The Vision has red skin. Um, but Red Vision and White Vision, uh, they fight it out, and, and now WandaVision looks like a video game, um, which isn't bad, it looks like a good video game, and that's kind of the problem you run into when you have Vision fight Vision, um, but the fight between those two, like, for as many complaints as I have about the witch fight, the Vision fight is much more in character, um, there's a lot more phasing, there's a lot more, like, energy beams, um, and the, the way it kind of, um concludes later is just fantastic and we'll talk about that when we get there so it's vision versus vision um watching this from an attic is monica and i really wish we got to see how um quicksilver got monica up into the attic and like trapped her um i guess he is like pretty strong but this of course creates like a question of like okay because we, we end up learning who this Quicksilver guy really is. But it creates the question of, like, okay, well, are the powers his powers? Were the powers given to him by Agatha? Because that's kind of my working theory. Because we know this guy is brainwashed, and he, he's working for Agatha. Um, but, like, how did he get the speed powers? And another sort of unanswered question is, if Wanda was always a witch, even as a child... Then when Pietro gets powers as like a young adult, where do those come from? Because it do they do they come from the Mind Stone or like was it Wanda? My kind of working theory is that there is literally a spell that gives someone super speed. You know that's <laughs> that's kind of what I'm thinking. And Wanda's weird connection to the Mind Stone and you know Loki's staff as an extension of that is why. Uh, instead of dying, because obviously she wouldn't want her, her brother to die, and the Mind Stone would sort of know that. I feel like the Mind Stone's kind of intelligent, <laughs> which, of course, the Mind Stone, intelligent. But, no, that's that's my working theory. When they were captured, or I guess when they enlisted in Hydra, and Hydra was experimenting the scepter on Pietro, the connection between the Mind Stone and Wanda resulted not in Quicksilver dying, but him getting his speed powers, which is why later now in this show, when Agatha sets up this fake Quicksilver, <clears throat> she's able to give him speed powers, you know, similar to the act to the, the other Quicksilver. You know, I, I didn't realize it until, like, <clears throat> right now, like, talking about it, but there's a lot, in this show, there's a lot of, like, du duplicity, I guess is, is the word to use, um... You know, you have Wanda kind of reflected against Agatha. You have Red Vision reflected against White Vision. 
You have, uh, I just talked about them. Uh, you have fake Quicksilver reflected against real Quicksilver, although you don't see that. I don't know. It, w it would have been nice if, I know it's a budget thing, but it would have been nice if they could have gotten Aaron Taylor Johnson, who played Vision in uh, Age of Ultron, for, like just for one of those like flashback scenes in Episode Eight. That would have been nice. But I get it. It's a budget thing. Um, yeah, Monica's locked up in, uh, fake Pietro's man cave. He refers to it as a man cave, but it's an attic, so I feel like, uh, he should definitely go to hell. Um, <laughs> and he's just a dude, just strumming his guitar. He's not really leading on what his purpose is, just to keep Monica stuck there. Um, <clears throat> but we'll learn, we'll learn more about this Monica Pietro stuff in a bit. Uh, let's see. Jimmy Woo is captured by Sword. Hayward, <laughs> true true to his character, Hayward continues to be a generic villain and basically tell Jimmy, it's fine, once the Vision kills Wanda, I'll doctor the footage and make it all look like her fault. I'll be a hero and they'll, everyone will love me. <laughs> they'll elect me for president, that's what'll happen, Jimmy, that's... That's my vision of the future and other such pun. Like he makes an actual pun about the, about as bad as that. Um, but yeah, Hayward sucks. There's nothing else to this character. I'm kind of disappointed about that. I didn't want him to rip off his skin and be like I'm Ultron, ha <laughs> or like or anything like that, or you know, end up being Red Skull or whatever the fuck. I was just kind of hoping, like, I don't know, he was a Skrull, and this is all part of another plan. Or something. I don't know. I, I didn't want him to be, like, the devil or anything. I just... He was just so simple and so easily hateable. Which, I mean, you know, played to your role, I guess. Um, but Jimmy is, like, you know, handcuffed and pulled away. He manages to get a cell phone. And he also manages to pick the, the handcuffs on him. Which, you know, could have been a magic trick. But I think he's just, you know, super spy. He escapes the, the handcuffs and he calls for backup. Um, let's see. So Wanda follows Agatha into the, the city, like the, you know, the, what's the word? The streets of Westview. You know, sees all of her neighbors. And, uh, <laughs> Agatha's like, let me, let me show you how much you suck, Wanda, and how, how you're actually, like, what, like, just, you should give me your power, because clearly you're misusing it. And, you know, if you're a hero, like, you, you wouldn't be, like, mind-controlling all these people. And Wanda's like, no, that's bullshit, you're, my, you're mind-controlling these people, it's all your fault. And, uh, what is it, Agatha undoes the mind-control on one person, it's like Dottie, I think. And she's like, my name's like Linda, <laughs> which, like, okay, I've seen a lot of theories, too, about this. There's a character, I think named... Not Dottie Jones, but I think her name's something else. But she's a magical character in the Marvel comics named Topaz, who has blonde hair, who has the last name Jones. People who are making theories online and stuff, they assumed, or they had a theory at least, that Dottie was another witch involved in this whole thing. Love how this show is just like, alright, she's out of mind control, yeah, my name's Linda, I'm a regular person, I have a daughter, please, like, help me, I don't want to die, like... Your vision, your 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 theory is wrong. Shut up, right? Um, and Wanda's Wanda is like, no, you're making her say this. You're you're trying to play with me. I, I don't believe you, Agatha. And Agatha's like, all right, sure. And she unlocks everyone in the whole like city, basically. You see like Herb, and you see uh, Vision's coworker. Um, you see the mailman, and, and all these people are like, we we when we sleep, we see your nightmares. We hear you in our heads all the time. Like, this is torturing us. Please let us go. Please. And, uh, Wanda's trying to, like, convince them, but also convince herself that she's not in the wrong for this. She's like, no, 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 I gave you happy lives. Um, I kept you safe and fed, and, you know, you, you were all healthy under me. And it's like, she's talking to them the way you would talk to your dog if your dog could suddenly talk. If that makes sense. Like, if your dog one day was as smart as a person and was like, why do you, why do you keep, why do you, like, keep me in this house or, or, you know, leash me when I want to go outside? Like, I, I just want to, like, be free and talk to people and you're always pulling me away. Like, 
she's like not treating them like people, you know, uh, obviously. And, uh, you know, they're getting on her case. They're yelling at her. They're like, you're, if they were any more obvious, they would be like, listen, this is your fault. You're not the victim. We're the victims. And just because you're sad doesn't mean we have to be sad too. Like, let us go. And Wanda is, is is standing there, again trying to convince herself. No, no, I was doing I was doing a good thing. Like, yes, the main purpose of this was to ease my pain, but also I think I made things better for you people by you know locking you up and mind brainwashing you and keeping you away from your families. It all worked out in the end, right? <laughs> so. Everyone's yelling at Wanda. Wanda gets so overwhelmed. She, like... I think she, like, ties up all their necks in, like, um... Like, she... She has one of those meltdown moments and basically, like, leashes them up and keeps all the people from talking. So it's, like, killing them because they can't breathe. Um, and, of course, uh... What is it? Uh, of course, Agatha is, like... You're not going to kill people, you know? What you should do is open the bubble. That would probably be the right thing to do. And so Wanda starts opening the bubble, um, which results in Sword getting inside, which is weird because... Okay, so Hayward takes the opportunity to be like, all right, now we can head in because the bubble's open. But he, he, I think Hayward's plan was after White Vision kills Wanda the bubble would go away and they would move in. But I guess that's what he's interpreting this moment as. So the bubble is opening up and Sword heads in. And then, uh, what is it? Vision shows up and the kids show up and they start, like, falling apart. Not so much like the Thanos snap, but more like, there's a cover to House of M, the comic book, where Wanda's face is coming off like Lego blocks. That's kind of like how Vision and the kids are, are starting to die because they're connected to this bubble. Um, and so Wanda has to, like, reclose the bubble to keep them alive, and Agatha sort of takes that as, like, see, see, at the end of the day, you're too selfish, and you're too obsessed with this little fantasy world that you made up, that you would rather enslave all these people than to be alone. So, Wanda and, uh, Agatha, they start fighting again, Vision starts fighting the other Vision again, uh, when Sword shows up, Wanda kind of, like, tells the kids to fight. It's funny. Wanda's like, alright, kids, go fight those soldiers. <laughs> um, which I think is funny. So, in this part, when, when Wanda's fighting Agatha again, is when we get some, like, new and old tricks, basically. The one new trick I've noticed, and again, I don't know if she did this in the Battle of Endgame, because that battle was just so crazy and everything was happening at the moment. Um, but she teleports, um, she, like, turns herself into red stuff and then disappears, um, which is cool, I think we, I think we've seen, yeah, we've seen Agatha do that, so it would kind of make sense, because if Wanda has seen Agatha do that, Wanda, in this episode primarily, and I don't think they ever really talked about this before, but Wanda seems to be really good at watching and learning, like, things really easily, um, I guess that makes sense because she picked up English when she was, like, eight, you know? Um, so it seems like she's really good at imitating what she sees and sort of picking it up. And you kind of see that again in um, the beginning of Captain America Civil War when she's undercover in uh, Lagos. She's kind of wearing the, the typical Marvel I'm-in-disguise outfit of low-brimmed hat. I don't think she had sunglasses, but she had a coat on. Um, and she was, like, playing undercover with Black Widow, and it seemed like she was learning how to do undercover work like that. So, without really talking about it, like, other than, like, Taskmaster, who we're gonna see in, um, that Black Widow movie, when that comes out in, like, 12 years, um, Wanda seems to be, like, the fastest learner in the MCU. Because, again, she's seen Agatha teleport a few times, and Wanda just knows how to do it now. Which I think is really cool, and it's it's also interesting because... Obviously, the Battle of Endgame was so busy, and Wanda was so overwhelmed with grief, trying to get revenge for what Thanos did to Vision. But I imagine if that fight went differently, and Wanda got to battle alongside Doctor Strange a bit more, she might have picked up a few of his tricks, too. And it's going to be interesting, because, you know, 
we don't see Doctor Strange and Wanda interact at all in Infinity War or um, Endgame. But, you know, I'm wondering by the time of Multiverse of Madness if maybe we'll get flashbacks or, or at least one flashback to them having a conversation either during Endgame or more likely during Tony Stark's funeral. Um, I think that would be kind of appropriate because we haven't seen those two characters interact at all. And it would feel kind of weird if they suddenly did. Because then, like, this show existing already puts a like a, a weird shade on Doctor Strange of like, hey man, you're the Sorcerer Supreme, why the fuck were you not in Westview? But now it's like, uh, what is it? Like, e- even before then, it's like, if Doctor Strange is involved in the same fight as Wanda, he should already know she's magic. Um, so I hope they kind of address that. It's just going to be weird if he, uh, like, at like during Multiverse of Madness, he's like, oh, shit, that chick was magic? I had no fucking idea. <laughs> um, what was I going with this? Oh, yeah, Wanda knows how to teleport, which, you know, opens up a lot of different avenues, at least in my brain. Um, she does that, and then... She does She does the Age of Ultron thing. And again, I, I love seeing not just like the new moves like the Vanishing and, and what she does later with the runes, but I love seeing kind of old tricks. Because up until this point, we haven't seen Wanda fight anyone, really. Um, but when she's fighting Agatha, she's pulling out the, okay, I know how to lift up entire cars trick. Um, I know how to, uh, what is it? give people nightmares, basically, because she does the thing, and they shoot it the same way. It's on a rooftop. Agatha is standing there looking out at everything. Wanda appears behind Agatha, walks up, and she's, like, walking, but it's played in fast motion, and then puts her hand next to Agatha's head and, like, gives her a nightmare vision, which is the thing that she did throughout Age of Ultron. Um, nightmare vision, that's funny. Um, but we haven't seen her do it since... Like, she didn't do it in Civil War. She didn't do it in Infinity War. Or, uh... It would have been cool, actually, if she did it to, uh... What's that guy? Corvus Glaive. Like, the two people that were coming after her in Vision in, like, Europe or whatever. It would have been cool if she did that to them. But she does the Nightmare Vision thing. Again, they shoot it the same way. Because they, they're sort of playing on the idea that you know... You're gonna see them and be like, Oh, the thing she did in that other movie. You know? Which is fine. Nostalgia is... Fine. <laughs> Um, and it, it really just doesn't work out for her, because Agatha's a more powerful witch. Um, in Agatha's Nightmare Vision, she kind of, like, she plays the Uno reverse card, and it ends up with Wanda being on a stake, and, like, as her magic is growing or whatever, she creates, kind of like what we were talking about in, like, episode 8 or whatever, in Agatha's backstory, her mother creates a blue crown of magic on her head when she's using her powers, Similarly here, in this Nightmare Vision, when Wanda's powers are coming to the forefront, she gets the Scarlet Witch, like, M crown on her head made out of magic. Um, so that's cool. Again, not just, like, justifying the name of Scarlet Witch or even the costume, but, like, especially the headdress, because that's such an important part to her design. Um, Monica is like, okay, I need to be involved in the scene now. People are forgetting that I'm in the show. I need to get out of here. And Pietra's like, no way, dude. This is my man cave attic. We're just hanging out. It's not weird. It's not sexual or anything. We're just hanging out. Just two bros. One of them's a chick. Chicks can be bros. We're just hanging out. It's totally plutonic. uh, But you can't leave. And she's like, wait a minute. I have superpowers. And she, like, forces Pietra to the ground. And with her special spectrum vision. Again, there's that fucking word again. With her super sight, whatever, she can see that the necklace Pietro is wearing, which I swear he wasn't wearing in other scenes. He might have been wearing like a, a um, like a shark fang necklace or something in another episode. But she rips off his weird hookah necklace. And he's like, just some dude. Right? Because I think, no, I think before that she finds like some paperwork. And it's like a photo of this Pietro guy, this fake Pietro, this fake Quicksilver, and it has his name, Ralph Boner. <laughs> and he's just like, hey, Boner, funny. Um, and, she, you know, when she pulls the necklace off of him, he's like, please spare my life, don't hurt me. And that's like the last scene we get with him. He's just some scared guy who was also brainwashed, but by Agatha instead of uh, Wanda. 
And it seems like that necklace wasn't just brainwashing him. It might have been giving him those powers we were talking about earlier. Um, and I love that, dude. Like, if I haven't made it clear enough, I love when... I love this episode because there are so many, ep- like, moments where they're like, that's right, it was obvious all along and not what you theorized. <laughs> like, he's not Quicksilver from the X-Men movies. He's not a mutant. He's not Nightmare. He's not Mephisto. He's not Agatha in disguise. He is just some guy named Ralph Boner. And I I love... People got mad that it's like, Boner, that's so juvenile and inappropriate. It's like, yeah, but I feel like they kind of deserve that when all people have been doing is theorizing who is the real fake Quicksilver? Who, Who is he really? And it's like, he's a Boner joke. You know, that just feels like... I don't know. It feels deserved. It feels it feels like appropriate. If the if the Ralph Boner joke just kind of came out of nowhere and was associated to another character that no one even talked about, yeah, it would be unnecessary and 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 like kind of just weird kid humor. But the fact that it was the fact that it was attributed to a character that everyone had been talking about. It's the equivalent of naming him uh, Ralph Red Herring, you know? Um, That's how I feel about that. I love that he's just some fucking guy. He's just some normal guy named Ralph Boner, you know? And and, and again, like, fucking people don't seem to get it in their head that Marvel will cast people just to, like, psych you out. Or, you know, Marvel will change... Like, when Infinity War was coming out or whatever, there were trailers that showed scenes that didn't exist. You know, that showed, like, Iron Man on Earth with Captain America in Wakanda or whatever. Scene didn't exist. Um, The marketing for Spider-Man Far From Home heavily was like, oh no, Mysterio's uh, a superhero. He's an actual superhero. He's from another dimension. He's not a bad guy. He's the hero. There's another villain. Don't worry about it, right? Like... In, uh, what was it? I think Thor Ragnarok? There's a there's a bit where uh, you see Thor without his hammer, and he's all electrified, and it's during the end of the movie, and he's got all this thunder power, and he's got both eyes. But in the actual movie, Thor is missing an eye. So, like, Marvel Studios and Marvel Marketing, I guess, they know how to hide things, they know how to, like, mislead people. So the, the casting of Evan Peters as uh, Ralph Boner... It, it was entirely just to play with people and get people talking and, and get people theorizing. And you can see that as, like, oh, that's kind of, like, fucked up and mean and pointless. Like, if you didn't know who this actor was and you lived inside of a bubble and you only watched the show, like, what's the whole point of that? And it's, like, to fake people out, you know? Even if you didn't know that that actor was from the X-Men movies, you still gotta wonder, okay, but why does he have Quicksilver powers? Why does he have Quicksilver's memories? You know, if he's not powered like the original Quicksilver was, where his powers come from, it still leads you to think and make up you know theories in your head of who this character is. Um, which is again like they do a really good job at making it kind of foreshadowing. Like there's nothing necessarily special about this Quicksilver; he's just there, um, and he's a big boner fake. He's a big fake boner. Um, yeah, that, that being said, if your Quicksilver lasts for uh, four or more hours, make sure to call your doctor. Um, so Monica gets out of the attic, the man cave, as you would call it, but not really. Uh, and she goes to help the kids fight S.W.O.R.D. And a lot of things happen in this scene pretty quickly, which is kind of disappointing. Um, the fight with S.W.O.R.D., it's just um, Billy uses mind control powers to basically stop all the soldiers in the tracks. Then Tommy takes away all their guns and like throws them aside. Hayward comes out with a <laughs> with a pistol and he's like, "All right, time to shoot these children." Who like I guess he was watching the Wandavision show, so he knows that they're Wanda's kids and they might they may or may not be real, but he still shoots at them, which is like, what would happen on the off chance they were real, or I don't know if if Wanda casted two actual kids from this town to be her children, like, the ramification is that Hayward could very well just kill an innocent child. And he's he's happy to take that chance. Because he's an asshole with nothing to lose, apparently. Um, he tries to shoot the kids. 
Monica shows up, and she uses another new power. And again, like, if you don't know who Spectrum is, it's going to be weird. Her powers are kind of weird. But, like, I'm, I'm expecting in Captain Marvel 2 they're going to flesh it out a bit more. But she can control various levels of energy, including kinetic energy. So when the bullet comes at her, she's able to phase through it, because she can also turn her body into, like, pure light or whatever. And she robs it of its kinetic energy, so it just kind of falls to the ground. It, it loses all force, and it's useless now. Um, <laughs> and, uh, what is it? Hayward is like, fuck this, I'm going home. And he gets in a car to, like, drive away. Or I think he was going to drive with the kids, I can't remember. But he gets in a car to drive away. And fucking, at a left field, you know, da 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 not John Cena, but I, that, that's the music that played in my head. I love this. Darcy just shows up in that van that she was driving and rams into Hayward, and, like, traps him in there, because she's, like, pinned against his door. Um, and her only line in the episode is, like, have fun in jail. We don't see her again after this. She just, like, goes home. We don't get an ending scene with Darcy, which I'm super disappointed by. Um, again, maybe a budget, maybe a time thing, but I would have loved to see her and Jimmy get one more interaction or something. Um, but, like, Darcy... Darcy saves the day, honestly. Like, Hayward is trapped... And it's great, too, because the last time we saw Darcy, Vision abandoned her in the car, and he and she was just stuck driving. So, like, she finally gets to town in the first... She, like, gets to town, gets to be involved in the plot of the episode, and the first and only thing she does is, like, defeat Hayward, which is awesome. It's still a great moment. I just wish that we had more moments with her in this episode. Um, at least you get to see Hayward get arrested later. Like, even he gets more scenes than Darcy. Um... <clears throat> So we're, we're going down the line, right? We got the kids beating the soldiers, Monica beating that one bullet, and also the Quicksilver copy. Um, Darcy defeating Hayward. And then we get uh, the, the conclusion to the fight between the Visions. A lot of these in that sentence. Um, and again, I, I love this scene for so many reasons. It's a philosophical battle where Red Vision... And White Vision are, are having this, like, stare down. And they're floating in a circle in the library. It was the same library from, like, episode two. I was really hoping there would be a scene where, like, you see a pack of gum somewhere as a reference to that. But, um, they're floating in this library. And it's very reminiscent to Vision having a discussion with Ultron in Age of Ultron. Because they're in, like, a temple or whatever. And they're floating around having a conversation before they fight. Um, but they're floating around. And Vision is like, are you familiar with, um, what is it, the boat of Theseus? I could look this up, but if I look it up, I'll be reminded that everyone in the world looked this up. Um, but I, I feel like I've heard this, this this before, but you probably have too. The basic idea is that if you have a boat and the bottom of it is all, like, you know, fucky, <laughs> uh, and you take the planks off and you replace those planks of wood and you take the old planks of wood and put them on a new boat, which of the boats is the original boat? Is it the boat that you replaced parts with? Or is it the boat where the original parts ended up? Um, and again, it's supposed to be a theory about which of them is the true vision. Is it the memories of the original vision that carried on through Wanda and are now in this red vision? Or is it the body of vision that has no memories at all? So having this discussion... And it's great because Red Vision gives all his memories, or at least a copy of them. Well, not even gives, he unlocks them. Because bringing back the Vision's body also meant bringing back his memories. It's just that Hayward, like, locked them up. So, this feels like a Kingdom Hearts um, scene right now. So, Red Vision unlocks White Vision's memories... And it's cool because you get sort of like a really fast montage of the Vision's entire life in the MCU. From coming out of the pod in Age of Ultron to dying at the end of uh, Infinity War. And gets all that. And it's, what I really appreciate is that when White Vision gets the memories, he doesn't immediately just turn into the Paul Bentley Vision that we kind of knew before. Because at this point we're kind of working with like, I don't know, three different interpretations of the Vision. There's the MCU Vision from before, 
There's the Westview sitcom Vision, who whose personality is similar to MCU Vision, but obviously he doesn't have the memories or the experiences of original Vision. And then we have White Vision, who now has all those memories, but hasn't lived through them. Um, which I appreciate he doesn't just like default back to original Vision or anything. Um, because just because you remember something doesn't mean you remember what you've learned from it or how you felt about it. Um, so White Vision is just like, well, I've got a lot of a lot of soul searching to do. Bye. And he just leaves. He just fucking leaves the show. There's no after credit scene with him or nothing. The White Vision is just out there somewhere. And like it would have been nice if there was a post credit scene with him like confronting Hayward in jail or something. But I'm also really intrigued by the idea of just this wandering robot trying to find himself. It it's very Wolverine, I guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so White Vision has all these memories. He's like, all right, well, clearly there are some things that are more important right now, and he just leaves. Which again, I think it's cool. I think that whole scene is just great, and you know you can definitely tell that Paul Bentley enjoys acting against himself. Um, and then we get the kind of final fight between Wanda and Agatha. Uh, it seems like Wanda's, like, giving up by just pelting um, Agatha with magical blasts. And Agatha's like, yes, I'm winning. This is this can't be a... This is a weird way of surrendering, but I'll go along with it. Ha ha ha. I'm a witch. Um, and fucking Wanda... Again, clutch move. If you didn't appreciate Wanda as a character in that endgame fight... This is this just this really just shows that like not only is Wanda deserving of being like an Avenger, but like she she's been overlooked so hard because she again she's only seen the runes like once before when she was trapped by Agatha in the last episode, and I I will say they kind of ruin this a little bit when you start to watch episode nine they do the last time like previously on WandaVision. And they make sure to point out in that last time on WandaVision, um, Agatha's whole thing about the runes and how they affect Wanda's powers. Um, which kind of, like, I remember seeing that and being like, yeah, okay, I remember that, but, like, you're not in that room anymore in this episode, so why even bring it up? And it sort of foreshadowed this moment where they're fighting, and Wanda is just so powerful, and again, her memory is just so good, apparently, um... When she's fighting Agatha, she's, like, purposely missing shots of her magical blasts because she's creating runes on the bubble surrounding Westview. Um, turning the entirety of Westview into, like, Wanda's coven. Which means that, uh, what is it? Agatha is robbed of her magical powers. So smart. I thought that was such a good moment. Really good payoff. I wish they didn't spoil it in the previously on, on WandaVision, but otherwise, just a clutch move. Um, so she creates the runes, Agatha is depowered, Wanda comes back down, and I think at that point Wanda uses her powers to create a new costume, similar to her vision <laughs> in uh, the last episode. It's the Scarlet Witch outfit, it's got the cape. It's got the, like, an actual crown now. It's not just made out of magic. It's, like, an actual red crown. Um, and it looks dope. It looks really cool. And, like, Scarlet Witch has had a lot of costumes. And, like, it never bothered me that she didn't have the headdress. But I think the headdress is definitely the defining factor. It definitely tells you, oh, this is Wanda as the Scarlet Witch. Like, th this is, like, a whole other... It's kind of, like, the difference of, like when Robin becomes Nightwing. It's like, okay, there's a clear difference here in what he is um, and what they're going for. So Wanda gets a sick new costume. I love that. I love when people use their powers to create sick costumes. Green Lantern has done it. Um, the Vision kind of did it when he was first born in uh, Age of Ultron. He, I love... I love. <laughs> she might have done the cape thing in reference to, to Vision. That maybe. I only say that because when Vision is first created in Age of Ultron, he creates a cape for himself when he's talking to Thor. Like, he creates a cape because he sees that Thor wears a cape, and he's like, oh, that's kind of nice. I like how that looks. Cape! <laughs> um, 
but I like that a lot. So, Wanda's like, all right, I got my, my, my new costume, I'm accepting that I'm the Scarlet Witch now, I got my new status quo, there's just one more, like, status quo change I need to make. And Agatha's like, what are you gonna do, kill me? Lock me in jail? <laughs> I, <laughs> she might as well have been like, what are you gonna do, kill me, like all the other good Marvel villains? And Wanda's like, no, we're not doing that anymore, we're keeping the good ones alive now, that's, that's the direction for this new MCU. And Agatha, and Agatha's like, you can't get rid of me, you know. You need me. And Wanda's like, well, I'll know where to find you. And as if she didn't learn anything from mind-controlling a whole town, she's like, alright, you get to be the nosy neighbor. You get to be the character that you pretended to be. And it's kind of appropriate, because when Wanda was brainwashing the whole town of Westview, Agatha was the only person that was free of that control. And now it's sort of reversed, because she frees Westview... That Agatha's sort of under mind control. And you and like points to Catherine Hahn for like acting, I guess. When she's locked in that Agnes persona, you can sort of see in her eyes that she's like straining to break through. And it's interesting because you have to assume that the runes are taken down with the bubble, so Agatha does have her powers, but but Wanda's mind control is so powerful, Agatha can't break out. Which is, like, the, the perfect, like, fate for this character. It's also good because in future projects, when characters need help with magic or whatever, they can go to Agnes. I imagine over time, Agnes won't break out of her, like, nosy neighbor persona, but I think she'll get her memories. Like, I think she'll remember being a witch. So that you can go to her with advice about magic, but she'll still, like, act like this, um this TV character, um, which, you know, will be funny, but also be kind of, like, unnerving and scary, because she'll be acting like, oh, how many sugars with your tea, darling, or whatever, I don't know, I can't do an Agnes, um, <laughs> um, but she'll still act like a, a helpful neighbor or whatever, but if you ask her about magic, she'll keep that happy vizier and just answer your questions, because she knows what she's talking about, that's what I imagine it's gonna turn into, um, but again, this is also just a good way of keeping Agatha in the MCU, because, goddamn, I love this villain. Like, selfish, selfish and simple as she is, um, a cackling witch is just such a wonderful villain to have in this universe. Um, but she's great. Um, and she gets locked in her Agnes mode. And it, it's also weird, because it's like, does that mean all the people of Westview just have to, like, live with this woman now? Because she is the nosy neighbor, so assumingly she's going to like try to interact with the people of Westview. Like, leave her house and go on bike rides or go shopping at the grocery store and talk to people. They're just going to have to, like, pretend that that's okay. In a weird way, they're going to have to be like, Oh, shit. Oh, here comes Agnes again. All right. Hey, Agnes. Yeah, no, my day's going great. Oh, dinner? Yeah, sure. And then she walks away and they're like, Oh, my God, I can't believe Wanda... Like... Like, I'll be grateful that she freed us all, but why did she have to stick... Like, it's creepy, you know? Like, as if the town of Westview isn't already scarred for life based on what Wanda did. They're, and they're not already living with that nightmare afterwards. But they'll always have that constant reminder of what Wanda did in the form of this neighbor who is all too eager to talk to them. Like, that is actually horrible that Wanda did that. <laughs> At the very least, she could have stuck her in her house or something, or put her in another town where Agnes would seem unassuming. Like, somewhere where people wouldn't know who Agnes is. That might be what she ends up doing, but we don't see what happens to Agatha after she's turned into Agnes. She kind of just gets up and walks away. Oh, man. Um, so yeah, Wanda got a sick new costume. Um, oh, and then we get, like, the goodnight moon scene. Which, I don't know why I called it that. I guess because it feels that way. Um, Wanda and the kids go home, Wanda is starting to close the bubble, and the idea is that she wants to say goodbye to everyone before the bubble completely vanishes, right? Um, what is it? Wanda envisioned Tuck in Tommy and Billy, and it, it's, it's a very, they do this very well, they do this, like, somber goodbye scene very well, no one necessarily says goodbye, but, like, we know Wanda Vision know it's goodbye, 
and you sort of get the idea that the kids also know that the, it's goodbye. Um, Wanda says to the kids, like, before she leaves the room, um, thank you for choosing me to be your mother, which is interesting. It's, it's an interesting line, because, like, there's always been, at least from their conception, there's the assumption that Billy and Tommy, like, she created them, so they're sentient beings, but they're not sentient in the same way that her vision is. Um, and we obviously know from, like, the post credit scene that, like, these kids exist beyond the end of WandaVision, the sitcom. Like, it seems like Vision will always be a part of Wanda, but these kids have sort of grown to their own. Like, they have their own souls and everything. So, she thanks them for, like, choosing her. Um, again, kind of weird. Maybe she pulled, like, actual souls from hell or something and made children. I don't know. But, uh, then she says goodbye to Vision. And again, like, such a... Such a heartfelt scene, honestly. Like, that... No matter what disappointment you have in the show, I feel like this scene really sums up why it's a good show, and, like, just how important it is to the character of Wanda. Vision has a couple of choice lines here. He's like, I know you made me out of your grief and out of your loneliness, but I think you also made me out of your love and your compassion. Like, I wouldn't be so genuine and so real if you didn't know the real Vision so well. Like, in a way, the fact that the Vision... In, in Westview, anyway, the fact that he wanted to know the truth and knew that what Wanda was doing was wrong and then turned out to come from Wanda, Wanda's body, come from her, like, consciousness, is telling that, like, not only does a part of Wanda know what she was doing was wrong, but she also knew if she was going to create the vision again, it had to be so genuine to the point where he would know what was wrong and right even if Wanda wanted to ignore what was wrong and right. So, um, he also says, like, you know, just because we're saying goodbye now doesn't mean we won't meet again. I've, you know, I've already lived and died through so many forms. You know, I was once just a voice, and I came back, you know, as a person, and then I, I came back as this, as what you created me to be. Who knows what I'll become next? And that's, I love that line because... You don't think about it often, but the legacy of the Vision in the MCU, it goes back as far as Iron Man 1. He started as Jarvis, and, you know, eventually Jarvis sort of became part of Ultron, which was created from Bruce Banner and Tony Stark, and the Mind Stone, or the Mind Stone got involved, and then you got Vision. Like, there's so many little factors it's almost like the Vision as a character in the MCU is like like an empty plate. Like Jarvis was the plate and you piled it with Tony and Bruce and the Mind Stone and Ultron and now Wanda. And and we already know, like, in a way, the Vision is back. The Vision is alive again through the White Vision. So, you know, it's sort of up to him now what the Vision will come back as next. Or if he'll just, you know, I don't know, become an actor named Wonder Man and do his own thing. I don't know. Um, just such a great send-off to this character. I'm so glad that Wanda got a proper goodbye with the Vision. And, you know, whether he's real or not, it's really cathartic. It's, it's a really good send-off to a character that a lot of people overlooked or didn't appreciate. Um, which is more than you can say for, like... Vision's send-off in this, I would say, is as good as Tony Stark's send-off or um, Steve Rogers' send-off. It's like a perfect conclusion to this character, even though we know Vision's probably going to come back somewhere else. Um, and then very quickly, we'll talk about the post credit scenes, because um, there's two in this one. I didn't know that at first. I, f I saw the first one and then saw the second one on YouTube. Um... Monica meets back up with, like, Jimmy Woo. We see that Hayward is getting arrested. Darcy disappears. Um, we're wrapping up the whole Westview thing. Monica meets up with this one agent inside of, like, the local theater. 
and this agent turns out to be a scrawl. Oh shit! Um, and this scrawl agent is like, uh, <laughs> my the, my boss wants to talk to you. You're, you're gonna have to go see him. And she's like, go where? And the scroll points up at the sky. So it's it's an implication that Nick Fury wants to see Monica, um, which I hope we get to see that interaction. She might, we might see it because I know she's gonna be in Captain Marvel too. But we're also getting a secret invasion show starring Nick Fury. It would be really cool if we got to see Monica in that show too. But um, I don't know. Nick Fury might even help her learn how her powers work. So that'll be cool. Um, and we already know that Nick Fury knew her as a child, so it all works out. It all ties together. It, it's cool that Nick Fury unintentionally became a part of, like, a superhero family that wasn't the Avengers. Um, so again, I like that. Um, plus, any use of a scroll is great. I really thought the military person that Monica was texting was going to end up being a scroll, but it's actually someone else. Missed opportunity, if you ask me. Um, and then the second one, the, the after credit scene. Oh, shit. What's going on here? We're on a mountain, similar to, um, what, Wendigo Mountain, I think it's called. It's from the comics. Wanda's in this log cabin, drinking tea. And, uh, while, while she's making tea, you get to see the astral projection of the Scarlet Witch. And she's reading the Darkhold. And as she's reading it, she hears the screams of Billy and Tommy. So, a couple things to break down here. First, the astral projection thing. I, I saw a lot of people think that maybe Wanda had like a personality split. That's not what, what's happening here. This is something we've seen Doctor Strange do a lot. But the idea is that while the body is existing, sleeping, doing whatever, your soul could come out as an astral projection. So, and like, there's also the assumption that like, can Wanda astral project while also doing other stuff physically? Um, which could be. That could be a thing, obviously. You can multitask. You can wash dishes and also, like, I don't know, study for a test by thinking all the questions in your head. That's possible, I guess. My interpretation of it was Wanda's mind was busy reading the Darkhold, which is what the astral projection was doing. And physically, she kind of put her body in like a trance, almost like autopilot, because while her mind is studying, her body needs to be at peace. Like, because she was wearing comfy clothes, she was drinking tea, so it seems like part of her studying process, reading the Darkhold, was making sure her body wasn't tired or, um, I don't know, weak. Like, part of studying, which is something I never did, part of studying is being kind to yourself, like not, you can stay all, you can stay up all night and cram for a test, but you're going to be tired the next day, like that, that was my interpretation, I think she put her body in autopilot to take care of itself while she, as an astral projection, studied the Darkhold, which again, is, knowing how much of a fast learner Wanda is, dangerous stuff to, for her to be studying the Darkhold, um, I, I didn't mention earlier, but there's a bit where Agatha says, in the Darkhold, there's a whole chapter devoted to the Scarlet Witch. And it even says that her powers will become greater than the Sorcerer Supreme. So there's your little name drop for Doctor Strange and sort of the breadcrumbs that'll lead them to, to each other. Um, and then the kids needing help, again, that goes back to what I think about, like, the kids were so real for Wanda that she created souls for them or that they were originally souls from somewhere else, like another dimension. Um, but I guess we'll see that in Multiverse of Madness when we get there. Whew, okay. I think that's everything that I want to talk about from this episode. Um, it was great. Great ending to the show. Well, and again, a lot of things were wrapped up, and a lot of things were left open. And that's the perfect way to end a show like this, where you know... These characters are going to appear in other stuff, movies, TV shows, whatever. Um, but, like, here's a proper death for the original Vision, kind of. You know, here is a new superhero character we created, Monica Rambeau. Here is, um, you know, Scarlet Witch's new status quo, a character that was... It's kind of appropriate, right? Because the main Avengers characters are taking sort of a back seat. Tony is gone, Steve is gone... 
Thor is getting another movie, but he's going to be replaced by Jane Foster. We don't know really what's happening with the Hulk, but we know that he's, you know, sort of free. He's, he's, he's happy. Hulk is like all set. Um, he's come to peace with himself. Like we're seeing a lot of these, like the founding Avengers, like Black Widow's dead. Hawkeye is going to be training a new Hawkeye. So it makes sense that sort of the secondary Avengers, like Scarlet Witch, like Falcon, they're taking up a more main character role. And I think the show did a good job at boosting Scarlet Witch's potential, establishing her as a real character in this universe, a real force, um, making her a main character instead of a supporting character. And I think it did a good job at establishing her as, like, not a straight and narrow superhero. Because she is a superhero, but she's also, you know, bordering on being an anti-hero. And I think that's an interesting kind of way to go forward with her. Especially when you consider she started off as a villain, became a hero. Um, so that'll be really interesting to see going forward. Um, but that's my review of WandaVision Episode 9. I hope you enjoyed me talking about it for a while. Um, let me know on Facebook and Twitter if there was anything you picked up that I kind of missed. Um... Again, I will be covering the, like my full review of WandaVision in another podcast. Um, it'll either come out this week or next week. I don't know. Um, who could know? Not to me. And uh, the next Raffi's Roundup will be you know sort of returning to basics. We're going to talk about a couple of different subjects, and hopefully that will be just as uh, interesting as this, if not more interesting. So, as always, thank you for following. Thank you for listening. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And I'll catch you guys next time. Goodbye.